As coaches, some of the most difficult clients we come up against are our emotional eaters. Hi, I'm Laura, host of Expand, the podcast for coaches who crave more fulfillment in the work that they do, more meaningful results in the clients they serve, and more confidence to rebel against the traditional boxes our coaching industry has placed us in so we can expand into the bigness of what we're truly capable of. When you're ready, let's jump right in. We have our stress eaters, we have our boredom eaters, we have our it's the weekend so I get to eat whatever I want eaters. We have the people who like to reward themselves with food if they did a good job or if they had a hard day. And there's our numbers, right? Our people who really just seek food out to feel better once they've been triggered or once they've gone through something that felt really uncomfortable for them to navigate emotionally. Food is a really easy way for them to just kind of wipe that slate clean, get back to a baseline and feel okay in their life again, even though things aren't really okay. And as coaches, we struggle with these people because there's this huge spectrum of emotion, right? It's not just stress. It's not just anxiety. It's not just boredom. There's lots of different degrees to the form that those emotions can take in our clients. So it's really turbulent sometimes for us to venture into these conversations with them without understanding who it is we're really speaking to, how their emotions are really playing a role in the foods that they're choosing to eat or not to eat, and the role that we can play in actually creating change there with them, which is why I created a framework I think will really help you, okay? I call it the four faces of food. Now, through my 13 years working with nutrition clients, what I discovered is there's actually four key personality types or identities that our emotional eaters fit into. So instead of thinking about emotion through this vast lens and that leaves us feeling kind of like we're winging it, right? We, we can narrow our focus to identifying which of these four identities our clients fit into and from that place, be able to navigate the right next step for them to help them to move through the things that are triggering them, the patterns they're falling into, mental, emotional, or behavioral, right? It's not just what they're doing, it's also the patterns inside of them, what they're feeling and what they're thinking. So I wanna really quickly just introduce these identities to you. Just know that there are so many additional layers to each of these identities that this video does not have time for me to cover, but at least if we're able to give you a framework to start to look at your clients through in a more succinct way, we can stop feeling like we're winging it and we can start feeling a little bit more in control when our client comes to us and tells us that they lost control over the weekend because of X, Y, and Z, or they felt sad so they ate, right? It sort of gives us a place to operate from. So the first face of food is Jekyll and Hyde. Now this is one of my favorites and also one of the most challenging. This is where you'll see boredom become a part of the conversation much more often, but the reason isn't just because they're bored. The reason is because they have this desire for spontaneity that they don't recognize. They have a desire for variety that they're sort of pushing away. And a lot of the time when the Jekyll and Hyde client is trying 
trying to lose weight or eat better, they turn to methods that are commonly seen in the industry, restriction, meal plans, that sort of thing. But where this is incorrect for the Jack Hyde client is that because they seek so much structure in their nutrition, but they're actually desiring variety and spontaneity on a deep subconscious level, there's this conflict that arises. So sometimes when we have our Jekyll and Hyde clients tracking their food or following meal plans or trying to plan out exactly what they're going to eat seven days in advance, that can inherently trigger that client and it can cause them to feel bored or monotonous even more so in their journey with you. And take that and layer it on top of boredom or monotony that they could be feeling in other aspects of their life. Maybe their relationships feel stale. Maybe they aren't really being stimulated in their career, right? There's lots of other factors that can come into play here. That Jekyll and Hyde client is going to reach for food to cope even though they have the plan. And the tricky thing is, is this person is going to say to you, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I know what to, I know what I should be doing. I can't understand why I keep sabotaging. Well, if they're constantly subconsciously seeking spontaneity, right? But on the surface, they're creating an, a prison for themselves inside of forcing themselves to do things one way, like with their food or their career or their relationships, they're going to inherently sabotage simply because their, their driving desires are causing them to reach for food in moments where they feel too entrapped. Okay, so a really simple way to start to invite in what's really going on with these clients to discover is your client a Jekyll and Hyde is to ask them, you know, what would it be like for you to have less structure with your food? Does that feel inviting to you? Does that feel wrong on some level, but also kind of exciting? Okay, it's really, really important for you to recognize that this type of client can shift away from boredom being a key trigger for them simply by inviting in spontaneity and variety in other areas of their life. So we might want to start looking at how can we start to create joy around other aspects of their life separate from food? How can we elevate their experience of eating beyond just the act of eating, right? How can we make this more spontaneous or exciting for them so that they don't feel so rigid in their day to day? The next identity that you'll probably most often run into is our busybody. Okay, so our busybody is the person who's going to tell you quite often they're feeling anxious, they're feeling stressed, and that's the key reason why they're reaching for food. Okay, so this is great to recognize because ultimately the fix for the busybody is very simple in theory and very difficult in practice. But because it's simple in theory, it's easy to get the ball rolling because there's not a lot of um, extraneous pieces we need to be juggling. Okay, so with the busybody, the primary reason why stress and anxiety causes them to reach for food is because they feel out of control in their life. They feel totally chaotic in their mind, even if the tasks that they need to do day to day don't feel overly 
complex or chaotic to you, in their mind, they're creating stories about it all day long. They're constantly feeling behind. And so they're always looking for external things to create senses, feelings of being in control. And food just happens to be one of those things, okay? In moments when they feel chaotic, sometimes reaching for I don't know, a handful of crackers or um, a handful of chocolate chips midday can cause, create that feeling of being in control internally, even ex though externally it like appears like they're out of control, like they're just spontaneously reaching for food, right? But in their, in their mind, internally, they're creating, they're choosing that for themselves right? Or they're using that because they feel so out of control and that will give them an instant hit to feel kind of good in that moment, regrounded, and then they can carry on with their day spiraling back into their chaos. So with the busy body, the most important thing to recognize is that ultimately we need to slow them down. We need to slow them down. If we don't slow them down in their day-to-day -day life, they will never get to a place where they can create space around their decisions to grab that handful of chocolate chips and choose something different, right? Choose to do something different. So slowing them down in their day-to-day -day life will require a lot of buy-in, right? In their mind, they have so much to do and so little time to do it. And what do you mean I need to slow down? I don't have time to slow down, right? That's what they're gonna be thinking. So it's very important for you to first paint the picture around do you believe it's possible for you to reach your goals living this chaotic life? Do you feel like the things you need to do are overwhelming you or the way you're thinking about what you need to do is overwhelming you? Help me understand, you know, when that moment hits where you feel totally overwhelmed and triggered, what's going on in your mind? What's going on around you, right? Is it true that you are actually behind or are you just creating this illusion for yourself where you're just always wrong? You're always behind, you're always wrong, you're always failing. And that's just cultivating this internal environment to always be kind of reaching for food to give you quick hits to feel better in those moments. What's really going on? And then once you get their buy-in, we can start to create space in their life, right? Starting very slowly, okay? With the busy body, they can get triggered very easily, very, very quickly. So maybe let's start opening up some space in the morning so they don't just launch out of bed before their feet hit the ground, they're already behind, right? Let's maybe start to plan our days out and create a morning ritual and create space there and then explore with them. And this is the most important piece. How does that feel? Why does that feel wrong? Why does this feel uncomfortable? Starting to challenge that. Because if we can attach meaning to the slowness, we can start to link up, okay, when I took a slower morning and I got myself grounded and I meditated first and I sat down to a breakfast without shoveling things into my mouth, my day ended up going so much better, right? If we can attach that meaning, now we've got them and we can start to create space at increments throughout the day and really most importantly around those moments when they feel triggered and they're reaching for food because they feel like they've lost control in their mind they're out of control they're behind etc whatever that story is for them okay so those are kind of the first steps with the busybody again there's so many layers to these identities i'm really kind of just tiptoeing you in and getting you to recognize that it's not the stress this is what's really going on so we're going to move on to the socialite next
Okay, so the socialite is a special breed of people. These are the people who really struggle in social settings, as you may have guessed. But it's not just that they want to partake and have fun with their friends. It runs much deeper than that. It, it runs into you know, who they believe they are in that particular social circle and who they need to be to uphold that identity. So they may have lots of different social circles and they may have lots of different identities or masks that they wear in each according to who they feel they need to be to be accepted by that group. Okay, so with the socialite, one of the most important things to recognize is do they lose control around food most often when they're around other people? And if that's true for them, they're probably struggling with feeling like they need to be someone else in order to fit in instead of just being true to who they are right? Saying no thank you may feel rude for them or selfish for them or turning down drink number four may challenge that party girl that your client thinks that those people want her to be, right? So it's important first and foremost for you to help your socialite identify what are the different groups that they're inside of most often. Who do they feel they need to be in each of those groups in order to be accepted and loved, to feel connected, to feel significant, right, with them? And, you know, which ones feel the most real to who they actually are? Where do they feel the most accepted for, for who they truly are? Do they even know who they truly are? You know, a lot of the time when people are in social circles, they feel uncomfortable because they don't feel like they can truly show who they are. And so they use food to kind of hide that, right? They use food to make themselves feel more comfortable with those people because it's easier to do that than to talk about why they're trying to lose weight or talk about why they're choosing not to drink that night, right? It's a lot more comfortable. So. If you can help them, A, identify who they're trying to be in each of the social circles, right? B, identify which social circles are really not serving them. Which are the groups of people who they feel they need to change the most to be accepted by? And are they interested in discussing, maybe figuring out who they really are and letting that come forward in a vulnerable way to discover who they're really accepted by just for being themselves, right? Until they're able to be around their friends and their family and just be who they are and who they want to become, embody that without fear of judgment, without fear of rejection, and just stand in that truth for themselves, they will continue to cope with food in those settings. It's not about planning ahead what you're gonna order. It's not about capping how many drinks you're gonna have at the barbecue. It's not about bringing something to the potluck you know is safe to eat. It's not about any of those things. It's about them understanding why they're wearing this mask, why that feels more comfortable for them, and how they really wanna show up instead. And then the last identity is the people pleaser. Now, the people pleaser is kind of similar to the socialite in that it involves other people, right? But your people pleaser is the person who always feels like they have to put everything else in front of their own needs, everyone else in front of their own needs. And a lot of resentment can build from that. 
they're going to feel busy a lot of the time so it's important to explore um, the difference between busybody and people pleaser the busybody is chaotic in their own mind they have their own to-do list and it's just constantly running them dry the people pleaser eats in particular in order to make other people feel more comfortable or they bend who they are in order to make other people feel more comfortable okay a lot of the time they will actually eat in private or binge in private because they feel like that's how they're really kind of giving themselves what they need after a day where they feel so drained giving to everybody else. So the people pleaser is a really interesting one that can take some time to identify, but these are gonna be like your moms, right? They're, your moms is a perfect example of someone who is constantly prioritizing everybody else and putting themselves on the back burner. Ultimately, they don't have a loving, compassionate relationship with themselves, and so they, they go out of their way to do all of these things for all of these other people to receive that love from others because they feel incapable of giving that to themselves. So the most important thing we can do with the people pleaser is help them recognize why they are important too, why they should be a priority, and help them invite in a conversation around cultivating self-love, self-acceptance. There's probably a lot of judgment of themselves deep down, and so they overcome that or overcompensate for that judgment, for their failed um, attempts at whatever it is that they think that they need to do to feel good about themselves by making other people feel good, by fitting themselves into teeny tiny boxes that they think they need to fit into in order to be accepted, in order to feel loved, okay? So the people pleaser is likely someone who struggled with a lot of, um, like a lack of love in their childhood, people who feel like they constantly need to be doing for others in order to feel accepted and, and to receive love. So the conversation that will really help sort of curb their binging um, when they feel that lack of love from themselves is helping them learn how to love themselves. What's that going to look like, right? What, what could that look like? Let's just say you do love yourself. How would you treat yourself? How would your day unfold differently? Who would you be around these different people? Where would your boundaries be? What would your standards for your life be? Right? Would you treat yourself better? Would you say no more often? How does it feel to say no, right? How does it feel to say no to other people? And that can be a really great place to start is just helping them to pick and choose their yeses and to pick and choose their noes and empowering them to say no to the things that really do drain them and trusting that that's okay and trusting they're going to be loved anyways, right? This is a, a practice that it extends so much further beyond just not eating food when they're feeling sad or lonely or unloved, but really extends into the rest of their life because ultimately, if they never feel like they can love themselves truly, they will always be seeking that outwardly, either through um, other people or through the foods that they're eating in private. Okay, so those are the four identities. I'm really curious to know which one spoke to you the most okay i typically find that most coaches have like one or two identities most often showing up in their roster i know you'll probably for sure have a busy body in there you'll probably for sure have a jekyll and hyde keeping in mind that it's not about figuring out which one your client is 
they will likely struggle with a wide spectrum of things, right? They've learned to cope in their life using food in lots of different scenarios, but which behavioral patterns are the most prevalent? That's where you want to focus first. And then from there, we can figure out, okay, what are the smaller patterns that yes, we need to address once the bigger patterns are taken care of. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed what you heard and you want more, I'd love if you'd subscribe to my show wherever you get your podcasts. Good karma points for also leaving a review while you're at it. And lastly, if you're looking to dive even deeper, you'll find a ton of free workshops, mini trainings, and the details on my mentorship program, Trigger Mapping, over at laurapoberin.com. See you next time.